This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, physicist Amory Lovin says humans are inventing a new fire, not dug from below, but flowing from above, not costly, but free. And this new fire is flameless. I'm Neil Harvey. This week, it's reinventing fire for the clean energy era on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. The twin U.S. oil crises in 1973 and 1979 produced a countrywide panic, long lines, and vertiginous prices at the gas pump. Global energy experts became focused on the world's finite and shrinking energy supplies. Based on past trends of coal and oil production, they projected a grim energy future, a peak oil endgame of steeply declining reserves, severe shortages, rising prices, escalating political flashpoints, and international military conflicts. While the experts remained transfixed on fatalistic half-empty scenarios, one lone voice turned the problem inside out. In 1976, Amory Lovins first laid out his analysis of alternative energy strategies. He focused on how we use different sources of energy and for what purposes, famously saying we shouldn't use chainsaws to cut butter. And he saw vast scope for using energy for more efficiency. It was a blindingly brilliant bolt of lightning in the doom and gloom room. With stunning clarity, he illuminated the rich landscape of clean energy choices and futures, In the past 35 years, reality has almost caught up with Lovin's insightful analysis. His ideas are still ahead of their time, but the clean energy revolution has begun, and it's electrifying. This is Not Fate But Choice, Reinventing Fire for the Clean Energy Era, with physicist, author, and global energy design strategist Amory Lovins. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Fire made us human, fossil fuels made us modern, now we need a new fire that can make us safe, secure, and durable. Amory Lovins has a vision of a not-too-distant future with no oil, no coal, and no nuclear power. He says we can achieve that vision by the year 2050, without an act of Congress, without any new inventions, led by business for profit. Remarkably, he claims that by making this transition, we can save more than $5 trillion and still more than double the size of the U.S. economy. Levins lays it all out in a book called Reinventing Fire, Bold Business Solutions for the New Energy Era. He spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. You know, we are burning every year to run the world economy about four cubic miles of the rotted remains of primeval swamp goo and dinosaur poop. Uh, Surely there's a better way to do this. (laughs) Now, four-fifths of today's energy comes from that four cubic miles a year of fossil fuel. It has built our civilization, it's created our wealth, it has enriched the lives of billions. But its rising cost to our security, economy, health, environment are eroding and starting to outweigh the benefits. So we need a new fire. Now, America is burning oil, let's start there, costing $2 billion a day. 
but then it has hidden costs of $4 billion a day in three roughly equal parts uh, that are paid through our taxes or wealth or health. Now the first half trillion dollars a year of hidden cost is the cost of the treasure transfer and the dislocation of our economy whenever there's an oil price shop. So macroeconomic costs of our oil dependence add up to about a half trillion dollars a year. A lot of that is through OPEC's monopoly pricing that our oil dependence makes possible. The second half trillion dollars a year is the market value of oil's price volatility. That's a cost and a risk to everybody that uses oil. We also pay a half trillion dollars a year, the third part, to sustain military forces whose primary mission is intervention in the Persian Gulf. We have, of course, other national interests in the Persian Gulf than just oil, but it's hard to believe we would have just invaded there twice if Kuwait and Iraq just grew broccoli. And this, uh, this military cost of our oil dependence, not even counting, by the way, the corresponding military cost, the oil defense missions in every combatant command around the world, those add up to 10 times what we're paying for oil from the Persian Gulf. And they rival our total defense spending at the height of the Cold War. What's wrong with this picture? For four decades, Amory Lovins has briefed heads of state and advised the top leaders of business, industry, and government worldwide. He's co-author of the sustainable business classic, Natural Capitalism. In 2009, Time named him one of the world's 100 most influential people, and foreign policy named him one of the 100 top global thinkers. Oil, by the way, is also finite. The Pentagon is preparing to need no oil, and the rest of us should too. Uh, Even if oil were not costing us, directly and indirectly, a sixth of GDP, plus whatever it's worth for its damage to health, environment, security, national independence, national reputation. In fact, a couple of years ago, mainstream analysts started to see peak oil on the demand side. And indeed, uh, Deutsche Bank even forecast world oil use is going to peak in about another five years. In short, oil is becoming uncompetitive even at low prices before it becomes unavailable even at high prices. Switching from the old fire to the new fire takes two big shifts, one in oil, one in electricity. And these stories are actually distinct because less than 1% of our oil, but 95% of our coal, makes electricity. Oil and power stations each release about two-fifths of the fossil carbon going in the air. Three-fourths of our electricity runs buildings, three-fourths of our oil fuels mobility, and the rest of the electricity and oil go to factories. So very efficient vehicles, buildings, and factories save oil and gas, and also save natural gas that can be used to displace oil and coal. Lovin's vision is built on 30 years of research and fieldwork done by the Colorado-based Rocky Mountain Institute, a world-renowned think-and-do tank he co-founded. Reinventing Fire reflects the Institute's guiding principles, grounded in a systems view of the world. So the system we envisage for 2050 is efficient, connected, distributed, super-efficient autos and buildings and factories will all rely on a secure, modern, resilient electricity system, and there will be no need for coal or oil or even nuclear energy once efficiency and renewables end our addiction to fossil fuels.
So reinventing fire integrates all four energy using sectors, transportation, buildings, industry, and electricity, and it integrates four kinds of innovation, not just technology and policy, but also design, the way technologies are combined, and business strategy, new competitive strategies, new business models. And these combinations turn out to yield much more than the sum of their parts, especially in deeply disruptive business opportunities. As the cartoon icon Pogo once quipped, we're confronted by insurmountable opportunities. Emery Levin sees insurmountable opportunities in the transportation sector. After all, automobiles use three-fifths of the total fuel we use to move passengers and freight. How can we make autos oil-free? Two-thirds of the energy needed to move a typical two-ton steel auto is caused by its weight. For the past quarter century, though, epidemic obesity has made our two-ton steel autos gain weight twice as fast as we have. <laughs> but ultralight, ultra-strong materials like carbon fiber composites can make dramatic weight-saving snowball and can make autos simpler and cheaper to build. Lighter, more slippery autos also need less force to move them so their propulsion system shrinks and such vehicle fitness makes electric autos affordable because their batteries or fuel cells get smaller and lighter and cheaper. Super-efficient electric autos uh, will ultimately match today's autos in sticker price and they'll cost a great deal less to drive. So sales can grow and prices drop very quickly, but especially with a temporary fee bait, that means a rebate uh, for efficient new autos paid for by fees on inefficient ones. In the first two years, uh, the biggest of five European fee-bait programs has tripled the speed of improving automotive efficiency. Now, the resulting shift to electric autos is going to be as game-changing as shifting from small refinements in uh, electric typewriters to the Moore's Law-driven gains in computers. Computers and electronics, of course, are now our biggest industry, while typewriter makers have vanished. So vehicle fitness opens a new automotive competitive strategy that can double our oil savings over the next 40 years and thereby make affordable the electrification that can save the rest of the oil. And leaders are going to beat laggards just as Toyota's bold jump into hybrids 14 years ago is still challenging competitors to catch up, only faster because hybrid cars have only one learning curve, not three, reinforcing each other. America could, of course, lead this next automotive revolution. Currently, the leader is Germany. Uh, this year, Volkswagen announced 2013 production of this 230-mile-a-gallon carbon fiber plug-in hybrid. And BMW, announced, BMW recently announced 2013 mass production of this carbon fiber electric car and confirmed that its carbon fiber is paid for by its needing fewer batteries. And their CEO said, we do not intend to be a typewriter maker. Uh, Audi claimed it's going to beat both those companies by a year. But fasten your seatbelt. Amory Levin says to go completely oil-free, driving patterns are going to change dramatically. He recommends a suite of proven alternatives, better car-sharing plans, smarter growth models so that people can work, shop, and play near where they live, and improved traffic flow using intelligent computerized transportation systems.
Implementing these methods could reduce driving by 46 to 84 percent. Next come buildings. More than 70 percent of our electricity, lights, runs, heats, and cools are buildings. Lovin says we can cut that number by two-thirds to three-quarters at a $1.6 trillion net profit. Today, electricity is mostly wasted, and efficiency technologies keep improving faster than we install them, so the efficiency resource still to be captured keeps getting bigger and cheaper. In fact, over the next 40 years, our buildings can triple their energy productivity, saving $1.4 trillion net present value dollars with a 33% internal rate of return. The savings are worth four times what they cost to achieve. Industry can double its energy productivity with an internal rate of return of 21%. But there's actually an even more disruptive innovation we've been hatching at RMI called integrative design. And that can often make very big energy savings even cheaper than small or no savings. So it can turn diminishing returns when you invest in efficiency into expanding returns. That's how our retrofit last year is saving over two-fifths of the energy in the Empire State Building. Remanufacturing its 6,500 windows on-site into super windows that are almost perfect in letting in light without heat, plus better lights and office equipment and such, cut the peak cooling load by a third. And then renovating smaller chillers, rather than adding bigger ones, saved $17 million of capital costs, helping to pay for everything else and reducing the payback time to just three years. Changes like these amount to an authentic transformation, a truly different world. They can add up to half a trillion dollars a year in energy cost savings. It'll be cheaper to do business, govern, and provide national security. Levins also points out that while natural gas will be a useful transition tool, the switch to efficiency, renewables, and clean electricity will greatly limit the need for gas and the side effects of natural gas fracking. Next, rewiring the U.S. electrical grid for savings and security. This is not fate, but choice. Reinventing fire for the clean energy era. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Learn more at johnmasters.com. Free distribution of this program is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. To explore more Bioneers radio shows and conference videos for free, visit bioneers.org. Amory Lovins is fond of saying, In God We Trust, All Others Bring Data. And Lovins has gigabytes of bulletproof data to back up the RMI team's assessment of the massive shift needed to move the United States away from its dependence on oil and coal. In a Bioneers interview, Levin spoke about Rocky Mountain Institute's detailed study of the U.S. electricity system. The conclusion? It's eminently doable for the U.S. to run on 80% renewable energy by the year 2050. And the benefits? Well, another insurmountable opportunity. 
We examined four scenarios for the U.S. electricity system over the next 40 years. One is business as usual, the official forecast. Another is a new nuclear build and clean coal so-called technology using the best that the industry knows how to do. That would have about a trillion dollars extra cost in capital. It would save some more fuel. It's one way to hedge climate risks, but it would greatly concentrate the technological and financial risks that are already pretty acute, especially financial risks, to the present utility system. And it wouldn't do anything about the the national security risks of potentially nation-shattering cascading blackouts. We then looked at a centralized renewable scenario. If you quintuple the utility-scale renewables that the U.S. has right now, that's enough to meet 80% of our electricity needs when combined with efficiency. That is another way to hedge the climate risk. It turns out to have less technological and financial risk because you have a diversified portfolio of pretty mature technologies that are already succeeding beyond our wildest dreams. You know, half of all the new generating capacity in the world for the past three years has been renewable because it has lower costs and lower financial risks than the big thermal power plants. But then there's a fourth scenario where you let renewables compete at all different sizes. So half your generation becomes distributed, and that's what enables you to restructure the grid in a very resilient fashion so those major failures can't happen. So that distributed renewable scenario costs about the same as business as usual, and it turns out to manage best all of the risks, including climate and security, and it has the best opportunities for innovation, entrepreneurship, and customer choice. So we think it very well fits what's actually happening in the market. When it comes to big coal and nuclear plants, the market is clearly losing interest, even with massive subsidies. In addition, says Lovins, the current aging electrical grid is also unreliable, dangerous, and bad business. His grail is a resilient design, where major failures become impossible by design. That means a much less centralized system distributed locally and regionally. This is the way that modern electricity systems are evolving. There are, for example, over 20 experiments in the world successfully showing how you can arrange an electric grid in so-called microgrids on the scale of a town or a neighborhood, piece of a city. And normally they're interconnected. They have all the benefits of exchanging power with everybody around them. But If you start to get a cascading failure in the bigger grid, it breaks apart into layers and into fractal chunks that keep disassembling until each one has enough local supply to meet its critical needs, and then they can all fit back together again when the grid resumes operation. This is how my house works. It's what's called islandable. It can work with or without the grid. Now, There are interesting national efforts emerging. Denmark is making its grid so-called cellular, organized in the way I've described, and they actually stress-tested every year by decoupling or disconnecting microgrids from the surrounding grid to make sure the stuff that needs to work still works, and it does. Denmark has, uh, I believe, the highest reliability of all the European grids and probably the lowest pre-tax prices 
at its uh, 36% renewable power at the moment and rising towards 100. Island ability needs to become the default design choice rather than an unusual one for which you might need permission and the utility might ask you to do special engineering studies. The equipment is already widespread. It can easily be made in an islandable fashion. The way of organizing the grid, though, is a lot more complicated to arrange because we have this incredible hodgepodge, especially in the U.S., of all kinds of different regulation of the grid at a a state and a federal level and sometimes even county or municipal. So that's a mess. It's going to take a while to clear up, but we're all in this boat together and we all need to keep the lights on. So I, I think it is a matter of urgency. And fortunately, data from countries like Denmark can be very helpful in demonstrating that there are better ways to run the grid that are inherently resilient and work better and cost less. Led by Germany, Europe at large is heading in the same direction of distributed energy and islandability. Now Japan and China are following suit. In one year, Cuba went from having 224 serious blackout days to just three, and the next year to zero, through a combination of energy-efficient technology from China, changes in tariffs, islandability, and public education. How might the U.S. profit from these real-world case studies? Solar and wind power are marketplace winners today, and already in a dozen states, private installers, which Google has just announced it will join the finance for, can put those cheap photovoltaics on your house's roof with no money down and guarantee to beat your utility bill. Such, Such unregulated products can deliver you a virtual utility that bypasses power companies just as cell phones bypass wireline phone companies. Of course, this sort of thing gives utility executives the heebie-jeebies, and it gives venture capitalists sweet dreams. Uh, the, the flip side of those falling prices is the explosive growth of renewables. In fact, renewables have added half of all the new generating capacity in the world in the past three years. Now, power sources that get their economies from mass production, not from giant units, have already swapped their share of global generation uh, with nuclear power. And in fact, in 2008, micropower made 91% of the world's new electricity. Without nuclear, how could we displace the nearly half our electricity that's made from coal? So first come options that are cheaper than running an old coal plant. Using electricity nationwide as productively as the top 10 states actually did six years ago would save 65% of our coal-fired electricity. Even more could be profitably saved. And it's also now cheaper to run coal plants less and existing very efficient gas plants more, and that cost gap will widen, saving 35% of coal-fired electricity at a profit. So let's see, 35 plus 65, that's 100. So we can already eliminate the old coal-fired power plants cheaper than just running them. Well, next come options that are cheaper than new coal power. Wind power now awaiting interconnection could save two-fifths of the coal power. All the profitable wind power on available land could displace coal power 19 times over, plus other renewables we haven't even counted yet. And then there are some options that cost more today than a new coal plant, but they wouldn't by the time you could build one. Photovoltaics, if you put them on 3% of U.S. structures, that would displace all our annual coal-fired electricity and use no land. So add all that up, 
and we have profitable non-nuclear ways to displace coal power more than 23 times, or coal plus nuclear 16 times, once suffices. It's an integrated solution that transforms the whole electricity system through efficiency and diverse, dispersed, renewable supplies. So now, combine the electricity and oil revolutions that I've sketched, and efficient buildings and factories, and efficiently using directly burned fuels, and you have the really big story, reinventing fire, where business enabled and sped by smart policies in mindful markets in coevolution with civil society can lead the United States completely off oil and coal by 2050, saving $5 trillion, much risk and insecurity, and by the way, 82 to 86 percent of the fossil carbon emissions. So our energy future is not fate, but choice. Humans are inventing a new fire, not dug from below, but flowing from above, not scarce, but bountiful, not local, but everywhere, not transient, but permanent, not costly, but free. And but for a little biofuel grown in ways that sustain and endure, this new fire is flameless. So please consider how we can together help make the world fairer, richer, cooler, and safer by reinventing fire. Amory Lovins. Not fate, but choice. Reinventing fire for the clean energy era. You can listen to a variety of Bioneers radio shows and view conference videos online at www.bioneers.org, where you can also learn about attending the National Bioneers Conference or a local Bioneers Conference near you. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Nicole Spangenberg. Interview recording engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Disc label. Additional music was made available by Jeff Ball at jeffball.net. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0412. This series is made possible by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.coop. And by Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. For more information, visit www.bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER.